What a beautiful day to praise God. Amen. It's great to see you this morning. I've seen a number of folks that are visiting with us. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Know you're our honored guest. Come back and be with us anytime that you can. If you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you join us at Southgate. It's been a busy weekend. Last night, we had our first, hopefully, annual Beast Feast. Uh, I like the prayer that was offered last night. It was good to just have some time for guys to just be guys. And I thought that's sort of what happened. But Ivan Jones put that together with a number of guys that helped, and it was a wonderful evening. We had a lot of uh, folks that came and were able to be with us for the first time at this building, and it was just a good time, and I'm so thankful for that. I want to encourage you this uh, Saturday we're going to have our fall family day and that is a wonderful time to bring somebody else here with you so I want you to be thinking this week who can you invite uh, make sure that you invite folks to come out be a part of that good time of just fellowship and the kids will be doing their trunk or treating as well I know we'll have announcements on how you can be involved with it we're in Matthew chapter 18 this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you do, open up to that chapter. Uh, we're going to be covering that this morning and this evening in our service as well. When you think of different pictures of Jesus, uh, there's not one that I enjoy much more than what we see in those first four verses that we read before we begin our lesson. Picture of Jesus with children. I don't know about you, but I remember in being in an in a elementary Bible class and congregation, and there on the wall, you've got that picture that a lot of times you see of Jesus gathered, surrounded by children. The idea of in Matthew chapter 18 that it says that they come and they want to know what is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and he says he called a child to him. I like the idea of thinking about how Jesus would call that child to him. A lot of times we think that maybe he brought that child to him and set him on his knee and he said, it's not what you guys are thinking. Y'all are looking for position. Those apostles have been arguing about who is the greatest. He says, no, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the person who humbles himself and becomes like this little child. It's a pretty neat picture of Jesus. But then as we get into the rest of Matthew chapter 18, you're going to see a very different picture of Jesus we see Jesus when he's loving we see Jesus when he's forgiving we see when he's offering mercy and grace to those that are caught in sin and then you have Jesus at times where he is going to have to correct people he's going to have to be rebuking those he's going to call out sin for what it is and in Matthew chapter 18 that's what we're going to see so we're going to hear Jesus's words of what he does when it comes to sin saw a picture on X or Twitter, whatever it's called now, uh, this week. And it was a road where the road had washed out. The bridge was out. And as you're going up to it, you saw it. And on the side, and, you know, and again, probably Photoshopped anyways, but there was a sign on it that said, no, 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 just speed up. You can make it. What's happening? Here we go. Just go Dukes of Hazard on it. You're going to sit there and you're coming in. You know the road is out. And somebody puts up a sign and says, oh, just go for it. Could you imagine being in that situation that you were there and there was flooding and all of a sudden the road had washed out and you knew it and they were on a highway and people were flying down that highway? What kind of energy would you put into trying to stop them? Hey, 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 would, hey you might want to, okay, or hey, stop. You may, or would you get out in the middle of the road and get both hands up in the air and say, stop. If you go that way, every person that flies by me is going to their death. And if that was the case, what would you do? You would get pretty drastic, wouldn't you? If you knew somebody was going and you knew what was going to happen, you knew that it was an inevitability that if they went by you, they were going off a ravine, we would go out there and we would make sure we got their attention. 
In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus wants your attention. He wants my attention. And he uses some illustrations that really, if you're talking about horror movies, he's going to use some horrific illustrations to talk about sin and how we are going to see it. Now, whenever you look at sin, obviously, this is going to be the idea of missing the mark. God has set a standard for us. He has communicated his will to us, and then he wants us to keep it. Problem is that everybody that came in here has missed the mark. We're going to have a struggle with sin in life. And as Jesus is saying, telling us what to do, he says, look, I want you to have your mind right when it comes to this battle because you're going to have a great battle to fight, and you need to make sure you're focused on what God wants you to be in this world. First illustration, I'm going to give a modern-day version. I needed a muscle man, so I grabbed Blake this morning, and he said that he would be willing to help me. I've got some visual aids for you. Come on up, Blake. We're not going to tell my wife how I got this back here this morning, but if you'll grab this thing and bring it out. I know Blake doesn't mind a little bit of weight. This, come on up here where these folks can see you. This is a 45-pound plate. Okay, 45 pounds. You know, for Blake, it's an easy day. For most of us, this may be a little bit of a challenge. Could you imagine somebody coming, and what's different about this, I told Blake it's a little bit out of the ordinary because it's got kind of a chain on it, and if you'll lift that up just a little bit. Man, he's got a chain. We're not going to get into conversations about chains, but anyways, Jesus says, I tell you what you need to do. If you're going to play with sin, and Jesus has just gone from holding that child on his lap, he says, if somebody comes and makes one of these little ones to stumble, someone takes a child and causes them to sin, is the source of sin in their life, not do I want them to hold this and walk around with it, take them like this and toss them out into the Sea of Galilee. Now, Blake's going to get tired here for a little bit, and we'll see how much he sweats. But in college, I, was, uh, I took a lifeguarding class, did a little bit of lifeguarding, and part of the training of lifeguarding is you go out there in the deep end, and I think it was five pounds, I don't know, five, ten pounds, and you're supposed to hold five pounds above your head, and you're supposed to be able to tread for a certain period, and once you get to a minute or whatever, that shows that you've worked hard enough on it. Five pounds above your head is a little bit of a challenge, and at the end of a minute or however long it was, you were ready to put that down. Can anybody hold this above their head and keep swimming? Nope. Now, Jesus says it's going to be a millstone. Flip to the next picture there. This isn't what Jesus really used. I just want you to get it in your mind. The person who causes sin, Jesus says it's better for this to be wrapped around their neck and throw them into the depths of the sea. What's Jesus telling us about sin and the cause of it? He's serious, isn't he? All right, you can take your chain off. You can set it down here. We'll, we'll work there. Let's go back to the passage and let's read Jesus' exact words. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Jesus says in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 18, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it's necessary temptations uh, that temptations come, but woe to the one to whom the temptation comes. 
Jesus, is sin a big deal? Is paying attention to what God wants out of your life, does that really matter? Yeah, what about just those that would cause someone to sin? If somebody takes one of these children and you see Jesus talking about greatness in the kingdom of heaven, but then he says, hey, but we've got to be careful. Because you know what? What I say and what I do and my example could cause someone to sin. We live in a society that is going after our young people. Do you know what they need? They need people that help to protect them, that help to guide them, who help to set an example for them. Jesus says if you're going to cause someone to sin, if you're the source of what's happening, did you see what he said? It would be better. Now, I don't know about you, but putting that thing around my neck and hopping into a pool is pretty horrifying. That's not the way I'd want to go. Drowning is one of the things I would not like at all. The struggle that would be there, everything that would happen. And there's like Jesus is he's using shock for us and he's doing it on purpose. He wants you to feel the panic of what that reality would be and say, you know what? Choose that over what's coming to someone who causes a child to sin. It's a different picture of Jesus, isn't it? Let's continue on and see what he's going to go to next. He says, Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. He says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away it's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire if your eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away it is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire this is graphic Could you imagine? We're talking horror movies now, aren't we? Jesus comes in and says, if you're causing someone to sin, I'll tell you what you need to do. It would be better. Making y'all nervous. It would be better to have this around your neck. If you've got something in your life that is keeping you from being what God wants you to be, Jesus is using shock factor here. He's using symbolism. It would be better to take your hand off or your foot off with a saw than to keep going on with that sin. Now, nobody goes, and we don't see in the history of Christianity, tying millstones to people and throwing them in the, in the Sea of Galilee, okay? We don't have a bunch of one-eyed, one-foot, one-hand Christians running around. He's doing it for the illustration. He's doing it for you to remember. And yes, that is totally uncomfortable, but you know what Jesus wants us to do? He wants us to get uncomfortable with sin, because we all have sin, we all have temptations, we all have things that the devil wants to get into our lives and what he wants to do is to put something in between you and God and he knows that all he has to do is start real small because it's going to grow. And if you don't fight it and if you don't repent from it and if you don't put those things away, eventually what's going to happen is the most horrific thing in the world which is you will be separated from God for all time. So Jesus says, look, when it comes to getting rid of sin, how desperate are you to deal with the things that are happening in your life? 
The obvious implication is that we would do anything before we wanted to take off a hand. I would make any decision. I would do you know, a million different things before I would ever want to take off a foot or take out an eye. Jesus is using these big illustrations. He says, you would do anything before you had to do that. What will you do to deal with the temptation and the sin that you've been given into for years? What will you do to fight through against devil's attacks on you? How willing are you to make drastic decisions in order to come back and be exactly who God wants you to be? Jesus, what are you saying about sin? We have to do anything that we can in order to avoid giving in to sin. When we start looking at that, I think it's an important question for all of us to consider this morning. What causes you to sin? In this room, we all have our different struggles. Some of us are going to be similar ones. Some of them are going to be different. But all of us has the source of sin. All of us have different things that will come and cause us to do that. Some are going to deal with addiction. Some are dealing with drunkenness. Some are dealing with lust. Some are dealing with dishonesty or gossip or envy, or greed, or wanting to fit in above all else. Some of us have said a lot of things in front of God. Every one of us could say, that's me. Every one of us could identify what it was. Problem is, many times we keep it secret. God wants us to identify it. And Jesus says, look, when it comes to sin, you've got to identify what is going on in your life because sin is that serious. It's a serious thing to identify what you're dealing with because you know what you want to do? You want to make sure that you deal with it. Whenever you go into surgery, you know what I believe is one of the most important things right before a surgery? Is when the doctor comes in and marks on the correct thing where the surgery is supposed to take place. Emily had knee surgery this week. You want them to do knee surgery on the injured knee, correct? And as you come in there, you come in, the doctor looks at you like, yeah, mark it up. I need a neon sign. You put all the things you want. What I don't want to do is go and deal with something. You know, I've got to identify the problem and you fix the right problem. Jesus is kind of talking about that. He says, look, you're going to need to identify where your struggles is, what your sin is. And Jesus says, look, I want you to eliminate the causes of sin in your life. I want you to eliminate the causes of sin in your life. So for each one of us, as we listen to Jesus, he says, look, this is serious. I want to do anything to keep from causing someone else to sin. I need to do whatever drastic measure because I would do anything before I would want to do this. So what is the cause of sin and now how are you going to get rid of it? Well, let's think about a few things that get to us. People can cause you to sin. Peer pressure is a real deal, a real thing. So many times wanting to fit in and wanting other people to like you and wanting them to, to look at you and make sure that you fit in what's going on and you say, well, I guess I'll do whatever because I want these people to like me. That's something that our young people deal with a lot, but that's something that all of us deal with. Are you willing to stand up and say something about Jesus? Or are you going to give in and change who you are because what other people are wanting you to do? Sometimes in life, you know what you have to do in order to be right with God? You're going to have to remove some people from your life. That's tough. 
But as you start identifying when I'm around her, when I'm around him, you know what? That changes who I am. And I start giving in and I start getting weaker. And whenever I hang out with these people, that's when sin comes into my life. Well, be smart, identify it, and then sometimes you're going to say, look, I'm going to have to make a change. Are you willing to break relationships because they aren't right? They aren't making you be what you need to be with God. People can do that. Places can cause us to sin. You're at the wrong place at the wrong time. And a lot of times when you get in that wrong place at the wrong time, the devil has that great advantage. When you think of your temptation, where does it happen? When does it happen? And you start thinking about that and say, well, is that a place that you can avoid? Can you never go there? Can you make sure that you protect your purity? Can you make sure that you protect the people that you're with, where you're going to be, and say, look, this is where I've identified my problem. I am desperate to get rid of it. And now there's going to be some places and some people that I may no longer be around. Why? Because I want to be who God wants me to be. Third thing that I would say is priorities that are misplaced cause us to sin. Jesus comes and he's using some shock factor because he wants to sort of shake us awake. He wants us to really think about these illustrations. These are not things that you would forget about. I hope these are some things that you remember in your mind as you walk away because what's going to happen is when you understand Jesus' take on sin, now my priorities have to be refocused. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, John says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh... The desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. What does Jesus say? Sometimes we just have to change our priorities. I don't have to be popular. I don't have to fit in. I don't have to drive a certain car. I don't have to live in a certain house. I don't have to go and overwork and give too much of my life to something in order to have things that are not going to get me closer to God. I have only a few things that really matter in life. And they're the things that help me to be who God wants me to be. If you want to successfully put, sin, put off sin in your life, Jesus is telling us whatever the cost is, whatever it's going to take, pay that price. Why? Because it's worth paying. So there's this idea of sin. What happens so many times is it comes and it sneaks into our life. But what happens? It ends up we... Step into it, and it keeps us longer than we ever wanted to stay. It makes us pay more than we ever wanted to pay, and it keeps dragging into our life, and Satan is trying to throw those hooks into us, and Jesus says, break free from it. It's not going to make you happy. It's not going to give you the things that you need. If you will reset your priorities, then you will be blessed. Third illustration that Jesus uses, we come there in uh, verse 10 and following. And he says, look, this is how... As he's talking about sin, now he says, well, how can we deal with sin in other people's lives? And that's a part of our struggle as well. It's one that most of us don't want to deal with that much because we say, look, I've got enough of my own sins in my life. And when I start to mess with someone else, we feel that we don't have a ground to try to help them. But what do we do? As a family, as a congregation, we want to be there for other people. Look at what Jesus says. So he's still talking about these children. He says, see that you don't despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who's in heaven. I wish I could paint a, uh, a clearer picture of that as well. Some people say, oh, well, that's where a guardian angel is. And I would just say, well, I don't know why we would limit it to one. He says there are angels that are watching what we are doing. 
And he says, as we deal with these struggles, as we try to put, get rid of things, say, well, I can't really do that. Know that we're not alone. God is there with us. He's wanting to bless us. His spirit will guide us, will strengthen us. We can do these things because, yes, like we mentioned last week, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. But, guys, we don't just have evil forces against us. God is with us. And if God's with us, who can really be against us? So he says, look, there's, uh, be careful with these little ones. And then he starts to talk about a story that he uses a couple different places in Scripture. Verse 12, he says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who's in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now, this parable is very similar to the one that we see in Luke chapter 15, but really, it's different in context. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story about a lost sheep, but it's someone who is lost that's not in a right relationship with God and, and that fact that a good shepherd would go out and find the lost and bring them back to God. Here, he's talking about those that have believed, one of mine. What happens? As we come and we make a decision to be with Christ, we're with him. But what happens? The devil's trying to separate us from the body. The devil wants you to not come and be together with God's people. He wants you to avoid worship. He wants you to avoid Bible class. He wants you to avoid gatherings where you just get to come and hang out and be together. Why? Because as soon as the predator can get the sheep away from the flock, he's got them right where they want them. So Jesus tells this story and says, look, we need to make sure that we watch out for each other. Individually, we want to make sure that we stay with the group, but also we have to see that we have to care for those who are lost because of sin. God's people are to care for one another, and especially when one of our own starts to wander away. In this story, Jesus is showing us that we have to overcome a lot of different reasons in order to go reach somebody. I think the biggest one is as we deal with somebody that maybe you're slipping away, none of us feel worthy or good enough in all the aspect of our life to come and Try to help somebody else who's caught in sin. We have to get over that. Let's know that all of us sin, but all of us are trying to do better. I don't, if we're waiting for a perfect person to go talk to our friend about what they're struggling with in life, then they're going to wait for the rest of their life. Nobody's ever going to talk to them. None of us are perfect. But we know a perfect God who has shown us a direction that says, look, when somebody's caught in sin and they're getting separated... Go, reach out to them. Galatians 6, 1 says, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. What are we looking for? We want to go out and help other people. So we shouldn't ignore them because of the sins that are in our life. We shouldn't ignore them because it's just one. I've got 99. So you know what? Well, it's just one member of the youth group. It's just one member that's not here anymore. Don't ignore him because it's one. Don't ignore someone because it's one of the little ones. Everybody is equally important in God's eyes. We shouldn't ignore someone, and this is tempting for us. Well, they wandered off. You don't blame a sheep for wandering off. You know what sheep do? They wander. We've all been there where we have wandered, where we've been drawn. And what do we do? As God's people dealing with sin, we go. 
and we talk to our friends and we try to keep everybody together and tied and with the shepherd. Why? Because he is going to care for us. Our job in facing the sin in each other's lives is to lovingly reach out to each other and do all that we can to bring them home. Why? Because of what we see at the end of this. It's not the will of our Father in heaven that anyone perishes. Well, how do we do it? In the next passage, Jesus gives us instructions on what to do with a brother who sins. Look at verses 15 through 17. If somebody's caught up in a sin, look what he says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two things along, take one or two along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to him, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the, uh, if he re- and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. All right, Jesus, what are you saying? Somebody's dealing with a sin, what do we do? And he gives three steps, and I think these are really important. If you want to deal with conflict resolution, you want to deal with people in your family you're having difficult with. If you have friends, if you've got other people, Jesus says, look, this is what I want you to do. But specifically, he's talking about the brothers that we have that can wander off. What's the first thing that you do? Go and talk to them. But he says, talk to them alone. But talk to them We've all had moments in life where we made decisions that we wish we didn't make. And you may go talk to them and they say, I don't know what I was thinking. I need to change. And what happens when you do that? You talk to him and he says, if you've talked to them in private, that may be the end of the conversation. If we have a problem, we have to be willing to talk to someone else. They're the only ones that can fix that. He's talking about if somebody has sinned against you. What do we do? We respectfully talk to someone one-on-one about the issue at hand. We don't have to bring other people into situation, and we have to be cautious. We have to be cautious not to be arrogant. We have to be cautious about how we approach them, about what is going on. We have to carefully consider our words and their reaction. What we don't do is we don't go and talk to our neighbor about it. We don't sit down at the lunch table and start talking about what somebody else did. By all means, we don't put it on social media. What does Jesus say? If somebody's struggling, give them a call. Take them out to eat. Let's get together for coffee. Let's go to lunch. Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm caring about you. And you try to one-on-one bring them back. Why? Because we want you with us. I'm going to have my struggles, and I need you to watch out for me, and I'm going to watch out for you many times in the middle of that conversation you may find out there's all kinds of mitigating circumstances there are other things that cause that and you may be able to help remove some of those temptations from their life but nobody needs to know about the situation if it all goes well what does Jesus say you gained your brother but maybe you do that and you've made that effort and now they're still not interested well he says we'll take it to the next step I want you to take a few friends and I want you to continue to talk to them Now I want you to see what Jesus did not allow. If somebody's struggling with sin, he didn't say, oh, well, I gave it my try, I'm done with it. No, you be persistent. You continue to look, and he says, I want you to take a couple friends. What he doesn't allow is for us to just remain angry, to then talk about them as well. Jesus expects his disciples to settle issues, and if you've got a problem with someone, he wants you to come to it and be forgiving. Tonight we're going to see in a study as he finishes this chapter a great story that he's going to tell on emphasizing that. 
But here, what do you do? Take a couple other people. Increased involvement is meant to help the situation. Helps you maybe to think about the issue in a deeper manner. May get some other ideas on what's going on. And as you go collectively to somebody, then you're going to bring a seriousness to the conversation. And the fact that, look, we, now it's more than just me, we want you to be blessed. Whenever you do this, it's not going to be a he said, he said, he said, or a she said, she said. You've got a couple different people. Jesus says you're going to have two or three witnesses to have that where, look, everything is clear on what's happening so we can all make sure we come to a clear understanding. He says if it works, you gain back a brother. What if it doesn't work? Jesus, how do I deal with sin? He says you then take it to the church. You're going to take it to a group of believers, and what's the purpose in taking it to the church? I was talking to uh, an elder in uh, Palm Beach Lakes down in Florida, and we had actually seen a Sunday morning where they had dealt with a number of these things, and I said, well, tell me how all that works. They had announced some people that they said, look, we're putting these people before the church. He says, what we do is we put them before the church. Why? Because the whole church can pray for their hearts and pray for their souls and want them to come back and be right. We put it before the whole church. And if you know this person, take them out to eat. If you know this person, I want you to send them a note. I want you to pray for them. I want you to encourage them. I want my body, God's body of believers, to go out and reach out to that person in every way possible. And he says about half of them come back. But he also said you lose 100% of the ones you don't deal with because they're gone in sin. Jesus, what do you say? You go out and bring it to the church. They give them a period of time, about two weeks, to reach out, try to do all they can to bring them home. Says if they won't listen even to the church, then you're going to put them out. They're going to be to you like a Gentile or a tax collector. What's going to happen? We're not going to be engaged anymore in a social way with this person. Why? Because they have decided to move away from God and sin, we can't allow sin to be within our community because we're all struggling with the same thing. And when one person says, I'm not going to struggle with it anymore, that can have an effect on all of us, can it? Because we're in this together and sin is a big deal and it is serious in our lives and Jesus wants us to watch out for that. And what does he say at that point? If they won't listen, then you're going to remove your support from their lives. And let them know the seriousness of their sin. Why? Because ultimately sin is what brings about death. And it will remove us from the presence of God. Jesus, what do you say about sin? Jesus says sin is serious. It's always the joke, what did the preacher talk about today? Well, he talked about sin. Was he for it or against it? Well, I'm against it. So if you're wondering, if anybody asks, Jesus says sin is serious. And I want us to just bring back our mind to Jesus' words on this. What does he say? May we never be the individual that brings sin and temptation into the life of a child. May, may we be willing to do whatever drastic steps it takes to address sin in our lives, get rid of whatever it takes to get rid of sin in our lives and remove that. When somebody's caught in sin, what do we want to do? We want to go to them. We want to reach out to them. We want to love them because it's not just about ourselves, but we're in this together. If they're dealing with sin, that's going to take them away from the presence of God. May we follow his teachings, do it Jesus' way in order to bring them back into his fold. Why? Because sin is so serious in our lives. 
We're looking at Jesus' words and his approach. Maybe it's a different idea of Jesus than you've seen before, but may God bless the teaching of his word. As we come together, we've already mentioned the fact that, look, we don't have everything together. That's why we're here. We are not a perfect people. We just have a perfect Savior. And we have to be serious about sin in our lives. And we're going to strive to be more and more who he wants us to be. Why? Because our lives are about bringing him glory. If we love God, then we want to change. If we love our fellow man, we want to help each other to change. To love God and to love each other is what it is all about. And I want you to know this morning, if you make a decision that you want to walk away from sin, if you're saying, look, I want to take a drastic step, maybe for you the drastic step is to step out into the aisle and come down here and say, look, I want more than my mind on this. I want my church family to pray for me. There is great power in this church family praying for you. Don't try to do things by yourself. What's Jesus saying about sin? It is more than just about how good we are or how much self-discipline we have. We need help, and we want to help you. Maybe this morning you need to come and say, look, I want to make a change. You know what will happen? God will bless your life. God will bring you to where he wants you to be. If you're not a Christian yet, you know what you need? You need to take care of your sin, and you know how you do that? You come to Jesus in faith. His grace is going to take care of you if you will come believing in Jesus Christ, confessing him what you believe about him before other people. If you will come being willing to repent of your sins, if you'll come and say, I want to be buried with Christ, what's he going to do? Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. If you ever wonder about the seriousness of, of sin, simply look at the cross. Jesus says it was worth this. He did it for you. The price is paid. Will you accept his gift? If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.